Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's series in the book of Song of Solomon called An Invitation to Intimacy. These teachings are carefully thought out by Pastor Michael and his son, Pastor Shane, and the subject matter is probably best suited for married or engaged couples. These teachings may not be suitable for young children. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon 6.4 through 7.10 called Time to Dance Again. And so he says to her, look, honey, I love you. Let's, let's dance again. He says, turn your eyes away from me, verse 5, for they have confused me or overwhelmed me, ESV, NIV. I, I'm overcome or overpowered by them, new living. Your hair is like a flock of goats. We've seen this before. They've descended from Gilead. Now, we've learned that the idea of the hair coming down is a pro- provocative statement. But one thing that the bridegroom says to the bride or Solomon to the Shulamite woman, he says, you turn your eyes away from me. What does that mean? That means that her eyes are fixed on him and that she's overwhelmed by his love. I want you to see what's happening here. He's telling her, you are beautiful. You are my world. You are everything to me. And his words have captivated her eyes. Her eyes are fixed on him because he is speaking words of love. Have you noticed that if someone gets beat up enough, their eyes will turn away from everything. They will spend their life looking down or looking away. But when someone speaks words of love to us, it enraptures or engages our eyes because our eyes are indeed the windows to our soul. Her response to his loving goodness is a deep attraction that she has And you could even say that she has bedroom eyes because she's enthralled with his uh, descriptions of her and his love for her. He has her full attention. His words are touching and deep. And from what we can see so far, he hasn't even touched her. But there's a way to touch someone with our words. There's a way to get to their heart and bring healing. Proverbs 12, 18 says, There is one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 12, 18. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. Proverbs 16, 24. The church is called to turn its eyes upon Jesus and not just turn our eyes upon him, but fix our eyes Upon him, And why do we look to him? Why do we look to things above and not the things of the earth? Colossians 3. Because we know that we are to keep our eyes on him. That's where our eyes belong. What invites us to gaze upon him? Well, the old song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory in grace or praise. You see, it's his love that invites me to look deeply into his eyes. On a spiritual level, this is what I want to do. I want to know his heart. 
I want to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. And I think that what's going on here, back and forth between these two folks, and specifically from the bridegroom, is something like this. He doesn't want her to think that she has to do anything sexually to earn his forgiveness. He says, you're beautiful. I love you. Turn your eyes away from me because I'm, I'm being overwhelmed by the look in your eye. There is no price tag on my forgiveness. We don't need to be together sexually at this moment for you to know that I love you. Because love keeps no record of wrongs. If you put a price tag on your forgiveness, it's not forgiveness. If you put a price tag on, well, you do this for me and then maybe I'll do this for you, that is not biblical forgiveness. And so this is a beautiful exchange between these two as they make amends. He is going to describe her and he he talks about her teeth in verse 6. We've already uh, spent some time digging out the meanings here. He comments on her temples in verse 7. It may speak of her rosy cheeks behind the veil. It seems that Solomon is exhausting metaphors to describe her beauty because he repeats things that he said earlier in the book. By the way, he does not point to her flaws, but to her beauty. If you want to see a marriage that is doing well, you will watch a marriage that there's a focus more on strengths than weaknesses. It doesn't mean that you can't talk about that, those weaknesses. It doesn't mean that you can't speak the truth in love to make progress. But if you spend more of your time looking at flaws, then that is going to be your focus and you're going to find them. And if the Lord spent all of his time looking at your flaws and my flaws, we in deep trouble. But he's robed us in his righteousness and he sees us through the finished work of his son and he doesn't focus on our flaws but on the beauty of who we are and who we are becoming in Christ amen and would to God that we could see each other that way more in fact I, I, I will tell you that this will be transformational in your life if you can see people more through God's eyes everybody's a work in progress love covers a multitude of sins, shortcomings, etc. Her cheeks reveal his unchanging love, unwavering devotion. Uh, they are red. It makes me think of just the beauty of love. Maybe it's something like this. Honey, I love you like I loved you on the first night of our marriage. There are no strings attached. We're going to dance again. There are 60 queens and 80 concubines. Verse 8 and maidens without number. Some think that this points to Solomon's harem before he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's possible. Some of the older commentators actually take this view. They think that Solomon's young and he's still building up the harem and his political marriages and so forth. That's one possibility. Another possibility is that these women make up some of the society uh, around or the people at the wedding, but it does say queens and concubines, so it does make one think of a harem. And it was wrong for a king to have multiple wives, but that was the way things were in that day. And so he's saying something like this, however you take this, he's saying, I chose you 
I chose you above all of them. Ephesians 1.4 talks about God choosing us in Christ Jesus. That's a bit of a mystery, right? Why did he choose me? <laughs> I, I don't understand that fully. I don't know why he decided to love me, why he decided to love Israel, etc. But he loves his people. And he says, you are my dove. My perfect one is unique. Nine. She is her mother's only daughter. She is the pure child of the one who bore her. The maidens saw her. And they're mentioned in the verse above. Uh, maidens without number. The maidens saw her and they called her blessed. They agree. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1 verse 3. We are a blessed people. And that's what we want to uh, communicate to those around us. The queens and the concubines, concubines also. And they praised her. They said, oh yes, she indeed is beautiful. Among the women in the court, the wedding, whatever it is, she is unique. Quoting now, you are the most beautiful woman here tonight. The most beautiful woman in all the world. She doubted her beauty in chapter one, but she is assured that everyone agrees. We might say it this way, God broke the mold with you, honey. <laughs> you look so beautiful. You're the most beautiful woman here tonight at this gathering. You're the most beautiful woman in the world. This is the way he talks to her. And if tonight you find yourself romantically impaired, <laughs> there is a path to healing. You may want to read this book a little bit more. Steal some of the phrases from it, but not others. I'm going to give you some of the warning passages that you shouldn't steal. But he's praising her. If you've never been loved this way, I'm sorry. I will tell you that there are some people that hear this romantic language and say, I've never been loved like that. And I think perhaps the conclusion is I never will. But I want to say to those who may feel that way that the love of Christ is a love like this. Amen? This is the way he has loved us. People will fail us. And if you didn't have an ideal situation or you don't today or you're with someone who doesn't have a clue how to build you up and edify you again, I'm sorry. And I pray that that will change. But Christ's love for you is an amazing love. Amazing love, how could it be that you, my king, would die for me? I mean, that, that is a song of love sung to a savior who loves us this way. He praises her. He praises the way her mother brought her up. How one is raised to love is important. We were talking recently in a staff meeting, we were talking about the impact of the love of a marriage on children. And we talked about, you know, all these, these different ways that kids might pick up, you know, the way we love. And, and I'll just say this to you. Uh, having raised three boys and gotten, you know, some feedback on their perspective and stuff like that, it's, this is the most important thing you can hear right now, is that your example will be the biggest sermon in your life. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. If you listen to Walk in Truth on a regular basis, we could use your help by becoming a monthly financial partner. Our mission on Walk in Truth is to help people like you become better equipped with God's Word to address today's issues, trends, and culture. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. What we really need is more monthly partners so the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come. Our ultimate goal is to eventually become 100% listener-supported and then have the ability to broadcast on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner, giving $10 to $20 a month. You can give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now back to the Walk in Truth series called An Invitation to Intimacy. The subject matter is best suited for married or engaged couples and may not be suitable for younger children. Here's Pastor Michael. This is the most important thing you can hear right now. Is that your example will be the biggest sermon in your marriage. You can preach, you can quote Bible verses, you can do a whole lot of things. And, and look, I think all of the above, do devotions, you know, etc. But the way you love one another will be the most powerful message of all. There's no way to fake it. There's no way to hide it. Now, even in the imperfection moments, you can model what we're looking at tonight which is healing and reassurance. If you have made mistakes, you can find a way back. His love is a second R, is reconciling. He has reassured her, and now his love is reconciling. And this is the beauty of our God. He's given us a ministry, and it's the ministry of what? Reconciliation. If we cannot be reconciled to one another, in our marriages, how can we preach a message of reconciliation if we cannot be reconciled? Amen? Now, I know it's not easy sometimes, but here's the point. We can't have a disconnect from this and then we go out into the street and somehow we can just leave that in shambles. That's not the way it works. And so the maidens join the chorus. The other ladies join the chorus. Yes, she is beautiful. Yes, she is blessed. Verse 10, who is it that, that grows like the dawn, as beautiful as the full moon, as pure as the sun, as awesome as an army with banners? This could even point to the starry hosts. Notice, he says, your beauty is like the dawn. You're as beautiful as a full moon. You're as pure as the sun. One writer says, in Canaanite mythology, there was a goddess called the, the uh, her name means the dawn, and she was Shahar a deity in Canaanite mythology. It's recorded in the book, The Beautiful Gods, and Shahar, the dawn, is paired with Shalim, the dusk. One writer says, perhaps intentional mythological allusions are again used here to emphasize the extraordinary beauty, beauty of the woman. But maybe we don't need to see it that way. We can just kind of hear the poetic language that he is trying to find things to describe her. She is one who grows like the dawn. 
She's beautiful as the moon. She's pure as the sun. She's like an army in all its full regalia marching along. She is no longer a ragged goat keeper, says one writer. She is a radiant bride. Once you come to know Jesus Christ, everything changes. Where did he pluck you from? What were you doing before? You know, David was just tending the sheep until God got a hold of him and anointed him and David's whole life and trajectory changed. And becoming a believer, that's what happens in our lives. We take on the radiance of our God. We are altogether different and altogether lovely. For me, it's been a total transformation. And I think for many of your stories as well, and the trajectory of my life completely shifted upon knowing this one who loved me. My priorities, my values, my purpose, everything changed. Once we lived in darkness, now we are light in the Lord. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 8, walk as children of light. Amen? And then we talk about the fruit of the light, which comes out in a life. This is a remarkable young woman because of who she's married to, the king. She grows like the dawn. She's as beautiful as the moon. She's as pure as the sun. The sun and the moon are the two great lights that reflect the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. And this woman, because of who she is married to, shines with radiant light. She was a peasant girl working in a nowhere land and Solomon came and loved her and brought her to be the queen. And now her whole life is different. James 1 says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above the Father of lights, of the great lights that he made. And we are his image bearers. We show forth the beauty of our God. I was reading something this week on this section and one of the writers said that, a gentleman said that for him, one of the evidences that there is a God is beautiful women. (laughs) And he goes, okay, wait a minute now. He might be pushing that a little too far, but here's what the Bible says. The Bible says the heavens declare God's glory. It says that just by the physical creation, men and women are without excuse, Romans 1, 19 and 20. And do you know that of that creation, the only image bearers that we know of according to scripture, are human beings. And in the design of our bodies, there is a beautiful communication of God's majesty. I don't understand all the connection with the image bearer stuff because God is spirit and all of that, and we all know what that means. But but God made beautiful things. Amen. Amen. And it's okay for us to acknowledge Beauty. I was uh, preaching at a conference and it was on creation, evolution kind of stuff. And I said, okay, everybody, um, I want you to imagine the most, and I think it was a men's uh, conference, the most beautiful woman you've ever seen before. And I went, don't lust. (laughs) I want you to just think of the creative majesty of God. And now I want you to just look inside the body at the complexity of the body's systems Uh, the heart, the complexity of our organs, reproduction, the healing of the body, the way a baby is conceived in a womb and grows through the stages of that process. Our God is majestic, creative, and he didn't make boring things. He made 
complexity and diversity. You watch those shows of things under the sea swimming along, and you're like, man, what is that thing, right? Colors, flashes, you know, shining, and you're like, our God is a God of diversity and complexity. Look around the room. None of us have the same fingerprints. We're all uh, diverse. If you call me, Brother Bert, I know your voice, and you know my voice because you listen to me way too much. <laughs> but here's the thing. We have a unique voice pattern. That's ours. How did that happen? And by the way, how can we even think about what I'm talking about right now? Do you know that your brain processes information? It's such an incredible clip that scientists say that your brain has stored everything you've ever interacted with in your entire life. Recall is another thing. Of course, we're all struggling with that. But here's the point. Your brain is an incredible creation of God. They can't even make a supercomputer that even comes close. And people don't even give God a thought. Is it nothing to you who pass by? You've been listening to Time to Dance Again, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon, Chapter 6, Verse 4 to Chapter 7, Verse 10. As always, if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? The same if you're listening on podcast. Please click the share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then our hope is they'll do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Have you come to a point in your life where you're afraid to say something to your spouse? Maybe you would say, there's a time that I did, but I don't even want to go there anymore. I don't want to open the door. Or maybe you would say, I don't even know how to open the door anymore. Because when I say something, we do this dance. But the dance isn't isn't a isn't a positive one or a romantic one. It's a, it's the same old dance, if you know what I mean. Same old argument, same old ending, never positive. So what do you do? Well, you got to change the music and you got to change the dance. And you say, well, that sounds easy. That's a nice little metaphor, nice little, you know, a bow on top. But what do I do with that? Well, you know, change doesn't happen until one key thing happens, and that is humility. And no, you can't force humility on someone else. You can pray for it, but you can humble yourself. You know, in the Hebrew, it's there's an interesting word um, for humility. And it ha- the word picture is that when humility is present, the walls fall down. Meaning, you know, pride builds walls brick by brick, the sin of pride, if you will. What brings the wall down, the barrier in relationships is humility. So maybe if you pray for humility for yourself and approach your spouse in humility and pray that they would also respond in humility, God can work. And that's where it starts. We humble ourselves. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand. 
it's so hard for us, especially if we've been getting the same reaction for a long time or even anticipating the same reaction. How do I learn to dance again? Well, you do it, I believe, by humility. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth, and we are walking through the Song of Solomon of all books, right? Maybe you haven't heard teaching through the Song of Solomon your whole Christian life. Maybe this is the uh, a refresher, but it's been a long time. Whatever it may be, I pray that it's been helpful for you, and I pray that you've been blessed and encouraged, and that if change needs to occur, that it would start with you as you seek the Lord and seek to do your best to do what the Bible says and love your spouse the way you're called to love. Well, I pray that you are being blessed, as I mentioned earlier. And if you'd like to know more about the ministry of Walk in Truth, you can go to walkintruth.com. Check us out, learn more about the ministry, how you can support us, how you can pray for us. And even if you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to hear from our radio family, our podcasting family. It's walkintruth.com. See you tomorrow. And remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner? Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast and with the -the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for $5 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon, chapter six, verse four to chapter seven, verse 10, called Time to Dance Again. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.